Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast, where we talk about all things OCD. The show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace professional mental health care. Here's your host, Christina Orlova. Welcome to OCD Whisper Podcast, and today I have a really special guest. I have Dr. Olivardia, and he is a clinical psychologist in private practice and a lecturer in psychology in the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. So welcome to OCD Whisper Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, so I actually got to attend one of your trainings at the International OCD Conference, uh, the, the virtual event that they had. And I know that um, you definitely talk a lot about um, ADD and OCD and BDD. And, and I really wanted to have you on because I know one of the pieces that I, I think sometimes is not discussed as much is definitely ADD and OCD, but also BDD and OCD. So mm. I'd love to ask you some questions about specifically, you know, if somebody's dealing with body dysmorphic disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder, kind of from your experience, what would be a way to kind of help somebody wrap their head around this? Like how to understand these two, um, these two mental health issues basically kind of happening at the same time and how they, you know, connect to each other, how they might trigger each other or work together. Sure. So um, I guess one of the things first to, to note is that um, not everyone with body dysmorphic disorder has OCD. A lot of times that uh, people might assume that they always exist together and they're two different psychiatric uh, conditions. However, body dysmorphic disorder is in the obsessive compulsive disorder spectrum. Um, so it's not uncommon to see people who have both. Um, and it could be very, very difficult um, to sort of tease apart a lot of times first is just even in identifying it and diagnosing it. A lot of times the BDD piece can be under-identified if somebody also has OCD because it's thought of as, oh, well, this is just part of somebody's OCD that they're obsessing about their nose or their hair or, or whatnot. Um, and it, it turns out that obviously with body dysmorphic disorder, it's uh, these sort of obsessions and a lot of compulsions that are really related to this distortion in appearance that people have, where they um, have a high preoccupation for a specific part of their body. They, it's often coupled with a lot of distortion where they think that that body part is ugly or deformed or very unattractive. And then they engage in a lot of compulsive behaviors or a lot of avoidant behaviors um, in regards to that. And it definitely, you can see why it's in that OCD spectrum because it, you'll often see a lot of obsessive thinking about it, a lot of time and energy and, and compulsive uh, behaviors. Um, and when it's related to this sort of aesthetics and appearance, then it's more body dysmorphic related versus with OCD that it could be things that are not necessarily related to appearance. And sometimes things can look more like body dysmorphic disorder, but could be more related to OCD. So for example, I had a patient years ago who um, he, part of his compulsion, his ritual was to brush his teeth a certain number of times, but it had nothing to do with wanting his teeth to look white or the aesthetics of his teeth. It just that the, the obsession that he had was that something bad was going to happen to a family member if he didn't do that. And he said, I don't know why it was my 
that was the thing I had to do, um, but that was the thing I had to do. That would not be considered body dysmorphic disorder versus someone who might have this thought of, oh, my teeth look really ugly. And so I'm going to whiten them, brush them multiple times, you know, in a day, or maybe I won't smile with my teeth showing. That's sort of more BDD related. Um, so the, the, the treatment is fairly similar in a lot of ways um, in terms of exposure um, work. But I, at first, it's definitely important to tease out, especially if people have both, what is the body dysmorphic disorder? What is the OCD? Yeah. And, you know, as you were talking, actually, a sub-question that I know sometimes comes up is when we're talking about, you know, body or body image or perceived, you know, like something looks off or deformed versus, let's say, not necessarily eating disorder per se, but like body image issues, right? Because that can start to go into a different place. Like, what would you say in terms of something if somebody's listening right now and they're, they're maybe not quite sure um, if it might be more eating related or, or some sort of an eating disorder or spectrum of thereof? That's a great question. So one of the things, so with, with body dysmorphic disorder, um, you know, so you have just like the BDD and OCD are different disorders, body dysmorphic disorder and eating disorders are very different. Now, having said that, um, I would say within the field, because I also specialize, I particularly work with boys and men who have eating disorders. And I would say with anorexia nervosa, in a lot of ways, I conceptualize anorexia nervosa as almost like a form of body dysmorphic disorder, because typically you have individuals who um, have really vast distortions in their body image. Now, it's usually related to their weight, but most of the patients I've worked with with anorexia will often have distortions about multiple parts of their body. Now, oftentimes it's related to it looking too fat um, is sort of the, the language that they would use. So they engage in a lot of obsessive thinking, a lot of avoidant behaviors, compulsive behaviors that are then going to play out, you know, in their in their diet. Now, in a lot of people, even when the anorexia, they're in recovery, you always want to still assess whether body dysmorphic disorder is still there. And I've worked with many patients who, even when they're and they're in recovery for anorexia, they still could have body dysmorphic disorder symptoms around things that are not weight related. And so that's always important to assess. We don't want to just assume that let's say when somebody has an eating disorder, that when they say they hate their body, that it's just about their weight. I ask specifically like what parts, and you'll hear things like, oh, my stomach, my thighs, my butt, things that might be more shape related. I'll also hear my eyes look asymmetrical, my hair is thinning, my penis is too small, like things that are not really related to weight um, per se. So it's really important in the field of eating disorders. And I do a lot of talks in the eating disorder community about um, assessing for BDD and in the, for people who work with BDD patients to also assess for uh, potential eating issues and eating disorders. And not just if somebody's body dysmorphic disorder symptoms are around, stomach and, you know, thighs and, and things like that. Um, sometimes it could come out in other ways. I mean, I worked with uh, a young male once, he was 20, who um, had concern about his penis size. And he was obsessed about his penis being too small. And he had read on the internet that if you lose a little weight, it could enhance the size of your genitals. So he started restricting, not because he thought he was too fat, 
um, not because of any concern about his overall weight and shape, but because of that one preoccupation. Um, similarly, I worked with another um, gentleman who had body dysmorphic disorder about his cheekbones and the way his jaw looked. Mm. He didn't think that it looked masculine enough. And so he started restricting food for just that reason. He said he didn't care if his belly was Santa Claus, you know, belly. He said he had no concern. It was all about his cheekbones and his jaw. So we always want to assess with BDD, even if somebody doesn't have an active eating disorder, whether part of their BDD symptoms or rituals could involve food and eating, because then it can be a slippery slope. I mean, it can plummet into an eating disorder. Um, although I would say the majority of patients that I work with with BDD do not have eating disorders, mm -hmm. um, but a number of them do. And a number of them, you'll see again, that, that comorbidity. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so my kind of follow up with that um, is, and I know this is going to be kind of a big question. So, um, but oftentimes when people are listening, you know, they'll wonder, well, oh my God, like, what can I do about this? And, and so, of course, it's, you know, seeking out proper treatment, you know, seeing someone yeah. who specializes for, you know, accurate diagnosis so that you actually then get the right treatment. Um, right. But is there anything that you would suggest or what would you say would be like one thing um, that somebody could potentially would want to pay attention to or do differently or something to kind of help them address um, if they're dealing with BDD and OCD? Yeah, I mean, uh, first and foremost, you know, absolutely is to seek, you know, to seek help. And, and I always tell people seek help sooner rather than later. Um, if it's a parent that is seeing this sort of in their team. I mean, one of the big questions I often get from parents is like, how do we know it's BDD versus, you know, most teenagers, you know, all, I mean, I would never want to go through Oh, I think we've got a little stuck. Yeah, I mean, most teenagers are insecure about their bot checking, mirror avoidance, those kinds of sort of, you know, behaviors. Um, but to seek help sooner rather than later, because what we don't want is for this to sort of start to exponentially, you know, increase. Um, and educate yourself, you know, read, um, you know, there are some books. Sometimes when people inquire, like, is this BDD? Is this sort of kind of just negative body image. Um, you know, there are, are wonderful books about uh, body dysmorphic disorder, The Broken Mirrors, the probably the most classic one, uh, by Catherine Phillips. Um, I co-wrote a book called The Adonis Complex that is uh, more geared towards males um, with all types of body image issues, including BDD. Um, but seeking, you know, definitely that kind of help, especially when BDD and OCD are both in the mix, um, to, you know, talk to a therapist because it can be hard sometimes to tease out, um, you know, which, which is which in, in that regard. A lot of times um, for a lot of the, the patients that I work with, they get, they can get really sort of mired in the symptoms in such a way that can make it really hard for them to tease that out without professional support. Yeah. And is the treatment still going to be for anybody listening exposures um, and looking at, you know, avoidance behaviors, um, not just like response prevention, which is ERP for OCD? Or what would you say is going to be the, the, the treatment that they're going to be looking for? Yeah. So the treatment is fairly similar to what you would see with OCD. A lot of times with body dysmorphic disorder, the first thing I'm looking at are 
Uh, what are the behaviors that either people are doing or not doing that are getting them uh, into trouble? So that'll typically be so compulsive behaviors like mirror checking, taking selfies multiple hundreds of times in a day, um, camouflaging behaviors. So if somebody has body dysmorphic disorder symptoms around their skin, they might be taking four or five hours applying makeup. Um, they might be uh, layering clothes and, and spending hours sort of deciding what clothes might look best, you know, upon them. Um, and then we would look at avoidant behaviors. You know, people, I work with people who haven't left their house in weeks um, because they feel they look too ugly. Um, they might not stand under certain kind of lighting. Uh, they might not uh, stand next to certain kinds of people because they fear being compared. You know, there's a lot of comparisons that they might feel. So I usually start with that. And then, and that's where it's sort of more exposure based. So you would have um, the similar things as you would see with OCD. It's like, okay, we're only spending you know, 20 minutes putting on your makeup. We're going to set the timer. This is what it is. Um, and not that we want people um, to like people who are stuck, let's say in mirror checking, we don't want them avoiding mirrors and people who are avoiding mirrors, we don't want them staring in a mirror all day. It's more about regulating their use of mirrors. And with mirror exposures, it's really around having somebody develop a more healthy relationship with the mirror. So we're going to look in the mirror and we're just going to get objective data. Um, and it's not something that we need to be an hour in front of the mirror. Objective data we can get in two minutes, basically. How do I look? Do I have spinach stuck in my teeth? Is my hair a mess <laughs> after coming in from, you know, the rain? Um, is my tie tied on? Um, that sort of kind of thing. A lot of times with, with BDD, the work that I'll do with patients is have them uh, narrate out loud what their self-talk is when they're looking in the mirror. And oftentimes it's anything but objective. It's I look ugly, I'm a pig, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And it's moving away from the objective data. I have brown eyes, I have brown hair, I'm wearing a black sweater. You know, this this is the data I'm looking, you know, to get uh, from that. So uh, you would do a lot of that kind of work. And then the cognitive therapy piece as well. People with BDD often have um, a lot of cognitive distortions around their appearance. You know, people uh, will only like me because of the way I love. Mm -hmm. um, looking perfect on the outside will compensate for things that I might lack, you know, internally. People will definitely not like me because of the way I look. Um, that if I feel and I must be ugly, like all of the sort of things that you'll see in sort of cognitive therapy that can uh, really helpful um, to address and to confront in terms of ways that people are very similar to OCD in that regard. Um, the difference I would say with, with BDD is that, um, you know, unlike with OCD, for a lot of people who might struggle with it, with forms of, and it's not saying that one is harder than the other, it's just different, that, um, you know, one can, a lot of times with OCD, it might be something that feels outside, you know, of them in some ways. Mm -hmm. So if somebody, let's say, has contamination fears, you know, these are germs that I need to avoid. With BDD, you are with yourself all the time. Like you cannot separate, you know, yourself. Yeah. And the fact is, is we do live in a culture that is um, heavily, heavily obsessed with appearances. Yeah. And, and we live in a social media age now. I mean, like even I could tell you from doing this work for 25 years, the, the, 
inflection of appearance concerns when social media became more prevalent mm-hmm. is huge. I mean, these the teenagers, I, I feel for teenagers, you know, these days, because now they're coming in and they're saying like, it's not like, you know, when I was a teenager, photographs were taking at, taken at special events where you're dressed up yeah. and you're looking your best. Now it's any given moment you have a snapshot and it's out there for everybody to see. And we culturally that sort of trickles down that it's not, it's not a surprise why we would see a lot of that sort of body image preoccupation. So sometimes in working with BDD, you're also working with trying to disentangle some valid arguments of, you know, we do live in a culture that's obsessed with looks and, and, you know, there is discrimination against people who don't fit, you know, a certain ideal um, in that way. And so we want to make credible, like I would never say to a patient, Oh, looks don't matter in our society. (laughs) That'd be ridiculous. Right. Right. So we're like, yes. And, that doesn't mean, though, that, you know, A, everybody feels, you know, the same way about it, or because people are skewering a celebrity about the way they look, that people apply those same rules. And not that I think that we should be doing that to celebrities, but that there is this sort of difference to like the kind of, you know, more ordinary person. And But those are big conversations that yeah. are unique, I find, to BDD is really saying, yes, there is a tremendous amount of pressure and at the same time, and this is where, you know, I, I always feel like it sounds um, like the, the, it sounds very paternal almost of me, you know, and saying, however, you know, you want to find people in your life that value you for, you know, those things. And at the same time, of course, we want to look good. And so where is that line? And I think for a lot of my BDD patients, sometimes even in recovery of BDD, they're trying to figure out like it, it the, 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 the goal is not to not care about your appearance at all necessarily because that, you know, we, who we all want to look nice and, and mm-hmm. look good. And, but I think for some people, it's trying to figure out where is that line? Yeah. Um, you know, how do we determine that? Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that answer and just taking the time to go a little more in depth with that. Um, yeah. I think my, my last question really is, you know, what would be uh, one message of inspiration or hope for anybody listening that you'd like to leave us with? Oh, probably the most important thing is that is recovery is possible and treatment works. It's hard work, just like for anyone out there with, with OCD. I mean, I have um, a tremendous amount of respect for all of my patients who struggle with, with whatever issue that they're working through. Um, I, you know, I always say there's, again, this extra dimension with OCD because the treatment is okay, the thing that you fear the most, we're going to have you do lots and lots, you know, um, um, and that's, that's, I, I, it never, it doesn't, never gets lost on me how, uh, you know, what I'm asking of patients when we do exposure response, response prevention work, um, with BDD, it's very similar. It's hard work. And at the same time, you can, you know, you, you can, disentangle that, you know, where something that feels almost impossible. And I work with people who spent hours in their rituals and never think that they can leave the house, um, you know, without hours of, of that. And when they're able to do that, they're like, oh my gosh, like all that time. And sometimes there's a, I always tell people, and you see this with OCD as well. Sometimes there's a grieving process that people mm-hmm. have of like all the time 
that was sort of wasted and energy, you know, and I tell people we want to look moving forward and be grateful for where you are today with that and that you can sort of move forward, but get help. Recovery is possible. Um, and, you know, to, to know that it's a day, you know, to a day by day process. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And, and how can people find you if they'd like to reach out to you? So I am live in the, the dark ages where I have no social media, um, <laughs> but people can email me and I love getting emails from people hearing, um, you know, what, what their thoughts are about our, our discussion or ideas, um, things like that. And my email is Roberto, R-O-B-E-R-T-O underscore Olivardia, which is O-L-I-V-A-R-D-I-A at H-M-S dot harvard dot edu and feel free to email me i'll definitely respond beautiful thank you so much for your time thank you thank you for listening to ocd whisperer podcast to get additional support with ocd and have your personal questions answered whether you are newly diagnosed got through treatment and need help maintaining progress or you can't afford treatment visit Christina's on-demand Mastering OCD membership at masteringocd.com.